Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, and welcome to Straight from the Horse Doctor's Mouth. I'm Justin Long, here with the horse doctor, Dr. Erica Latcher. Our goal with this podcast is to make the world a better place for horses by sharing Dr. Latcher's lifetime of experience as a horse owner and an equine veterinarian. Welcome to episode number four. I am Justin Long. I'm here with the amazing horse doctor, Dr. Erica Latcher. Hello, Dr. Latcher. Hello, Justin Long. Today, we are going to talk about fat horses. Is that right? Yeah. Fat horses and all of the things that can come along with that. Very exciting stuff. The reason that I thought this would be an interesting topic is because we just got a package from Amazon this week, and it contained a grazing muzzle that's going on one of our horses, who's a little bit chubby. Turns out there's a lot of bad things that can happen when a horse gets a little carried away with the grass. Yeah, and we've had a lot of rain in this area, uh, in Florida, which is sort of what we do in the summer. But we've got really great grass, and one more than one of our horses doesn't really have a job in life. So eating all that grass has made him rotund. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the same horse that has self-control issues anytime food is involved. So That's true. He is a, a committed eater, we'll say. He is a committed eater. You know, he's a big guy. He's... Probably, what, 17 hands? Yeah. And I don't even know what his breed is. He's a, a, a mongrel of horses. <laughs> but he's a, a, a large horse anyway. You know, he's naturally thick, he's broad, he's barrel-chested and all of that stuff. So how did you determine that he was fat enough that he was fat? Uh, in humans, we have something called the body mass index. When you go to the doctor, they'll look at your height and your weight and they'll tell you what your BMI is. In horses, we have what's called body condition scoring, and that is a scale of one to nine, and it has to do with looking at how the fat is distributed on a horse. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that most of us humans like our horse at about a six, but ideal for a horse is a five. So, right, so you want to be in the middle of the scale then? You do want to be in the middle of the scale. The so number one is super skinny and nine is super fat? One is... Oh, this is really, really bad, and either this horse has a serious medical condition or animal control or sheriff's department needs to be called. We have a starvation case going on. Uh, yep. Five is ideal, and we'll talk about what that looks like one second. Nine, in my opinion, is also that animal control or the sheriff's office needs to be called because it's also life-threatening, but it, the other way. Those horses are absolutely obese. Gotcha. So what we look for in a five is when you're standing directly in front of your horse and they turn away from you, you can see their ribs. So like when you're walking up to them with a halter and they <laughs> exactly. turn away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you're standing looking directly at their side, 
you can't necessarily see their ribs. You might catch a little tiny shadow of them, but you you really want to be able to see those ribs as they turn away from you. Okay. They also, some of this is breed style, but in general they don't have a large crest on their neck, so they don't have a big fat pad up at the top of their neck. Like Um, donkeys tend to get really thick ones. Yeah, exactly. They don't have um, a fat pad behind their shoulder, Directly underneath the withers, they'll get a big fat pad there. They they don't have that. They might have a little covering there, but they don't have a, a fat pad. Okay. And the other place that they'll get a fat pad is right at the top of their tail on either side of their tail head. I and have that myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a body condition <laughs> score of five horse doesn't have that. A body condition score of seven, eight, nine. That's where we're starting to get the rain gutter down the middle of the back where mm. it rains and they hold water. Um, yeah, seven is, you know, they hold a little water, eight, they hold a a bit, nine, they've got a water trough up there. Gotcha. Okay. You said it was breed specific or it can be there, you know, breed is a factor in this. So what, what are breeds, what breeds tend to be more prone to, to being fat? The little ones. Yeah. Yeah. The ponies, the ponies are horrible about it. Um, And one of the reasons is when we look at breeds of horses and what they were designed to do, ponies were originally designed to haul coal out of coal mines in northern England. You know, they worked 8, 10, 12-hour days without a lot of food. So you had to have a really slow metabolism to survive those conditions. And now they stand around in a pasture and eat grass all day. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And don't burn the calories. And for instance, the horse at our house that was getting the grazing muzzle, he is a unique combination of breeds, but one of them in there is Tennessee walking horse. The other one is quarter horse. So he has two traditional working breeds in his metabolism, Mm -hmm. makeup genetics wise. Right. And so those horses are much more prone to the slow metabolism so that they can go do a long day's work without requiring a lot of food. So that's why our thoroughbred stays so skinny because he's built to work for 10 minutes and then be at rest. Exactly. Thoroughbreds are very much the Ferraris of the horse world. They were designed to be sort of the playthings of the wealthy, and nobody cared what the miles per gallon was on their thoroughbred, much like you don't care that your Ferrari is not the most fuel-efficient vehicle because mm-hmm. you're just driving it for fun. And that's that's sort of how thoroughbreds are. So I will say that thoroughbreds are the metabolism that we all wish we had. <laughs> cause I used to have that. <laughs> He could certainly go to the ice cream shop every day and still be fine. I, I definitely envy him that. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Are there other breeds like that that, that are uh, more prone to being skinny that you need to really keep an eye on that they don't drop too much weight? Thoroughbreds are honestly the worst. Every other breed we've got is is mostly been designed to be a working breed of some sort. Okay. Um, you know, some of the, the breeding that has been done into, like, saddlebreds as show horses and some of the more energetic show breeds, they can be a little bit of a harder keeper. Now, that is a very broad generalization on a breed, so mm-hmm. it's not that every quarter horse is going to be an easy keeper. It just means that they have... More likely. They're more likely to be a very easy keeper, and so you need to keep that in mind when you're designing their diet. Gotcha. Speaking of diet, is what what, what makes a horse get fat? <laughs> Mostly lack of exercise. <laughs> so a lot like people then. Yeah, yeah. I have a little bit of that. Yeah, and so it's diet and exercise, just like people. And also, much like people, it is very difficult to exercise a horse into 
weight loss. It is much easier to diet a horse into weight loss. Mm, right. That's why we have the grazing muzzle. Mm-hmm. And he gets to wear the grazing muzzle when he is turned out. And horses at our house are turned out for at least 12 hours a day. That's a lot of grass if they're committed to eating. And we've established he he's, yeah, yes. he's definitely a committed eater. So the grazing muzzle slows things down. The hardest part about the grazing muzzle is honestly the sad faces that he gives us. Oh, he cries about it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's for his own good. I'm hard-hearted, so I can get through it. <laughs> so the grass, um, our grass in particular in Florida is very high in sugar. Most grasses are very high in sugar when they're in their, their high growth phase. Uh, so earlier in the spring, the worst then, right? Earlier in the spring is the worst. In the fall, we have a different trouble with the grass. As the weather's changing, when it experiences those shocks of warm days, cold nights, that will also concentrate the sugars pretty profoundly. So we have mm. to watch the fall as well. So spring and fall are the worst. This time of year, it's bad just because of the volume of grass. You know, right. you can yeah, go out there so and much eat grass right now. So much grass. Does the um, like sweet feeds that have you know, the high sugar feeds are those impacting this, and or is there are they not eating enough of it to matter? They get the majority of their sugars from whatever they're eating the most of in general. So, like for instance, our horses have a diet based on roughage, which is what all diets should be based on. But if you're feeding a low quality feed to horses, those are the all stock feeds, the the cheaper brands of feed, anything that is labeled as a sweet feed, those are very, very, very high in sugars. And that's like you or I going to eat at McDonald's every night. Okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, we always, always, always recommend that any horses on a controlled starch diet, like unless you have directions from a veterinarian. So you're always going to be good to base it off of a controlled starch and then go from there. Interesting. If you don't and your horse, you know, starts creeping up into the body condition score of, of six and seven, what can happen? What can go wrong? Laminitis is the big one, and laminitis, also called founder. If you'd like to know how that feels, I want you to go ahead and get some toothpicks, and then you're going to cram them underneath your fingernails. Ooh, no, I'm probably not. Yeah, and then you're going to walk around on that, because that's what horses do. Mm. So laminitis is the the biggest and worst side effect we have of of these what we call metabolic syndrome horses. And metabolic syndrome is our fancy word for what happens when... They are overweight for too long. When they're overweight for too long, they have too much glucose in the system. The body releases a lot of insulin. Horses will just keep dumping insulin into the system. Unlike you and I, our pancreas will at some point call uncle and say, I'm done. Mm. A horse's pancreas doesn't do that. It just keeps dumping insulin. And then the cells in the body say, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. So they stop listening. We get some side effects from all that insulin going on, though, and that is really abnormal growth of the connective tissue in the foot. And horses are strange. They they walk on that foot. Mm-hmm. No, nothing else really walks on a foot quite the same way a horse does. And the connective tissue is, is absolutely vital for that. So, yeah, if that's breaking down, then, then everything's coming apart. Exactly, yeah. Long term, it almost always leads to Cushing's, which is also known as PPID. Okay. And what happens with that? Cushing's horses release about 5,000 different hormones from their pituitary gland. Um, wow. Yeah, it leads to a an overgrowth of that pituitary gland in the brain. It's kind of like a tumor, like not, not cancerous in that way, but the, the pituitary gland grows. And those 5,000 hormones are responsible for knowing that you're hungry, you're thirsty, it's winter, it's spring, uh, I'm tired, my feet should grow, my hair should grow. So a lot of things can happen to Cushing's horses. 
but it is almost a guarantee that a horse who has insulin resistance will develop Cushing's. So keeping a good diet in their younger years is absolutely critical to having them healthy in the older years. It is absolutely critical. Okay. How do you go about diagnosing something like this? If the horse we've got that we put the grazing muzzle on, if how do we know if he's past that point or not? We can do a couple of things. Um, there's a relatively easy blood test that we can do. We get uh, Cairo syrup, and we give them a specific amount for their size, so he would get somewhere around 90 cc's, and then somewhere around an hour to an hour and a half, I draw blood, and I check to see what his glucose and insulin levels are at that time. Mm-hmm. And based on that, we can say for sure that he has insulin resistance or metabolic syndrome going on. If the answer is yes, is there anything you can do about that? He can go on a much more aggressive exercise program for sure. Okay. Uh, some of these we end up having to put into basically dirt lots so that we can better manage their grass intake. Right. I will say it's amazing how effective some horses can be at, at getting grass into a grazing muzzle. I'm always, <laughs> it's a little tiny hole and they can just stuff it in there yeah, so fast. He's not starving to death with the grazing muzzle on. I no, he really that. isn't. I think uh, he's lost about 10 pounds. He's just stopped gaining. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> So we can get them on to uh, an exercise program as well where we, we try to get them moving for about 10 to 15 minutes three times a week. So we would go out and basically chase him around at a fast walk, slow jog, so that he, he starts to move around and we get those muscles involved in the process. So that little bit will make them that much of a difference? It will manage things as long as you're also managing the diet. Interesting. Yeah, it won't necessarily make him lose weight, but if we're managing his diet and we're doing all the other things and he's he's looking pretty good, if we do a little bit of exercise, we can get those big muscles of the horse. I mean, they have huge amounts of muscle. Mm-hmm. A, a hindquarters weighs 90 pounds of just pure muscle. Right. And so we can get that muscle engaged in the process using up some of that glucose that's running around. So, okay. Yeah, a, a little bit of exercise goes a long way to helping. It doesn't cure, but it definitely helps. Right. Now, are we talking about riding or just lunging them around? or, or? It Literally, it doesn't matter as yeah. long as they're doing something. So if you want to get on them and ride them for 15 minutes, if you want to put them in a round pen because that's the easiest thing you can do. There's not a lot of guidelines on what is a minimum. It's just that they need to go out there and move for 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. And, of course, a grazing muzzle is a good preventative as well. Right. All right, so let's talk about the diet and exercise for a minute. We did speak in an earlier episode about diet and how to determine what your horse's needs are, but let's let's just touch on that again in case somebody hasn't listened to that. So how do you determine what's a proper diet for your horse? Well, let's say for our, our husky guy that we have, mm. um, he is a very big horse and he weighs about 1,300 pounds. Right. So at a minimum every day, he needs somewhere between 20 and 25 pounds of roughage. I think he's definitely getting that. He's getting that between mm-hmm. the hay we feed and the grass he eats. Mm-hmm. But we're going to try to minimize the quality, to some extent, of that hay. Okay. We don't want to compromise on safety of the hay, but we'll go to a lower quality hay. So he gets a minimum amount of alfalfa to keep his gut moving mm-hmm. so we don't have to treat him for colics. Right. 
But the rest of his fiber comes from the grass in the field and coastal hay, just to minimize the quality for him. Okay. Uh, and then as far as his diet goes, we have him on what's called a ration balancer. That is all of his vitamins, minerals, and protein in a very small amount. So as you know, he eats about two pounds of food a day. He doesn't yeah. eat a lot. Right. And that covers everything he needs without having a lot of extra calories in it. Ration balancers in particular don't have a lot of sugar, like very, very, very negligible amounts of sugar and starch. So that's that's very important then. Yeah, especially for horses like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's a high-quality food, but as little as he's eating, it's, it's still really cheap to feed him this way, so that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. And 15 minutes of exercise three or four days a week and the grazing muzzle. So I can get a weight tape and, and keep track of his weight. Is there a rule of thumb, like, as I'm trying to get weight off of him, what is a good amount of weight to shoot for each week? What's a target that's not too much, like not losing too much too fast type of thing? But Generally, what we do is we'll take uh, one of these horses, and let's say he's 1350. He needs to be somewhere around 1200. So we have 150 pounds that this horse in particular needs to lose. Mm -hmm. We'll take that amount and we'll divide it by six to eight weeks. On okay. him, we would probably say eight because that's a that's a decent amount of weight to it lose. Is. That's a person, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll say okay, we've got eight weeks and 150 pounds. Let's make it 160, so the math is easy. So mm -hmm. he needs to lose 20 pounds a week. Okay. So we would start there. 20 pounds a week is, I mean, that's that's is a that reasonable, reasonable chunk of change, right? Like okay. you, you can do that. Oh, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's you or I losing, you know, a pound a week, right? Like it's yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess when you get through the proportions, that's that's, yeah. a, that's true. So it's having a plan for how you're going to do that weight loss. Now, the the problem we do have with weight loss on horses that can be a little bit frustrating is, unlike humans, it's not like we can tell him stop drinking Pepsi. Right. You know, we have to say to him, we're going to change your diet, but we're never doing as drastic a change as you do in humans. So it yeah. can be a little tough to get the weight loss ball rolling. But you can get it there. And then it's just a matter of maintaining that, right? Yeah. And we find winter is always an easier time to maintain them. So I sure. I say take advantage of winter. Do more exercise. First off, you know, we're in the southeast and winter is our riding season because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's currently a feels like Bearable. temperature of 102 outside. <laughs> so we have less grass in winter. We have better riding weather. Take advantage of that. To get that horse a little bit on the slim side. Yep. And if they come out a winner as a body condition score on the low end of five, great. You've got some room for them to gain some weight over the summer. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about treatment a little bit. Say we do the diagnosis and it comes back that he is, you know, things are not going the right direction. How would you take care of that? One of the keys to bringing pharmaceutical interventions in here. That means drugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> These horses, when they get laminitis, it can be very difficult to do the exercise portion of things. Sure. Yeah. So we've got to get the feet under control before we can get them to start the exercise program. Right. So we start, if we suspect laminitis, first of all, we're going to take some x-rays of the feet and see if we need to adjust some things as far as uh, shoeing goes, how all of that is looking in the feet. Um, it's really tough that farriers don't come with x-ray vision, so... <laughs> We, we bring in the x-rays and see how bad or good things are and mm -hmm. start there. If the horse is foot sore, we do obviously appropriate shoeing changes. And then we usually will start conservatively with thyroid hormones. Thyroid hormones cause the, the cells to be more sensitive to insulin. Uh, it a little bit 
makes the kind of taps the cells on the little forehead and says, listen, you got to listen, you got to listen. And so it makes the cells a little more sensitive to glucose and then also increases the metabolism a little bit artificially. Our goal is to use thyroid hormones as a crutch. We're not trying to keep this horse on them forever. We're trying to keep them on them long enough for them to be to get their feet comfortable so we can get the exercise exercise program in place. Yeah, That makes sense. The other drug that we will add in is a drug called metformin, uh, which has also been used in type 2 diabetics in humans a lot. It's a little bit tricky in horses. First off, it is probably one of the hardest drugs on the planet to dissolve. So you have to get creative with coffee grinders. (laughs) And metformin is so tough on coffee grinders, it it will take coffee grinders out. So you actually have to go with... Kind of a decent level of coffee grinder to survive metformin. Does that fall into the hard drugs category? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boo, I know, that was a bad one. <laughs> but metformin also makes the cells a little more sensitive to insulin and makes it harder for the body to absorb glucose. Okay. So it does a couple of things for us. We try to reserve treatment with drugs for only horses that for some reason we can't manage with diet and exercise. Right. And I say that because horses don't respond particularly well to either of our drugs that we use for this. So they're definitely a crutch and not a mainstay of treatment. Diet and exercise is absolutely the primary way that we manage these horses. You know a lot about this, obviously. I get the impression that you see this a lot. Is, is this a pretty common problem? I talk about fat horses and metabolic syndrome every single day. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Honestly, I get it. I I work a lot of hours in a day, as you know. Yeah, we have the problem in our own house. Yeah, it's a struggle to get the exercise to the horses. So I think it's super important to really evaluate the diet that you have on board and then be realistic about what you can do for exercise and try really hard to get that in. It's hard for even me to come up with a good excuse for not chasing a horse around for 15 minutes. I can do it in the dark, basically, right? Right. So... And it's a good exercise for you and the horse. Yeah, so. and it's it is absolutely heartbreaking to see a laminitic horse. So I don't I don't want to see that on on our guy at home, which is why his pathetic face he puts on for that grazing <laughs> muscle doesn't work very well on yes. me. <laughs> well, I think this is one of those situations where an ounce of prevention is absolutely worth a pound of cure. It's way better. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think we should go chase our horse around. Let him uh, let him burn off a pound or two. Exactly. <laughs> we might wait till it's not a hundred and two outside. Maybe. Yeah. 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 We should go take a nap and prepare ourselves <laughs> for the, the cool of evening when we chase the horse around. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this information. As usual, my head is all stuffed full of new knowledge and understanding. So hopefully, I can put some of this into action. And if you want to read even more about it, you can go to SpringHillEquine.com and check out Tuesdays with Tony. As a matter of fact, I have read several blogs on this topic on Tuesdays with Tony. So I happen to know there's several really good ones there. All you got to do is click on the magnifying glass and type in metabolic syndrome or laminitis or Cushing's and you get all kinds of results for it. It's a good resource. And Tony didn't just write about it. He lives it because he's also an insulin resistant cat. <laughs> Tony has his challenges. Yes, too. exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Latcher, and we will talk to you soon.